Let me tell you what I wish I'd known when I was young and desperate for glory. Welcome to Crudely Drawn Swords, the actual play podcast of high adventure, no dice rolls whatsoever, and relatively few terrible puns for reasons that will shortly become apparent. I'm your host and not GM, Ben Moxon, and with me today are as many hawks as we could afford in these cash-strapped times. And that means that for today's game, we have He's Cool But Rude, It's Gwyn. I was wondering which one of us was going to be Cool But Rude then. (laughs) Uh, I'm Gwyn. Hello. Oh yeah, we'll be playing all kinds of people, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) And he's a party dude. It's Pete. Hello, I'm Pete. Uh, This is very much the pointless celebrities... Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I see a point to all of you. And the point is to make everyone else look good. Great job, team. Let's go. So, our scene opens in a cave in which are 2.5 figures. One of them is a short, bald man with a scraggy beard, dressed in ragtag clothing who is gnawing on a fish and expostulating on the joys of discovering himself once more alive. The other most solid figure wears a brimmed hat, a great coat and has a gun. The other figure looks like the ghost of a knight with a handlebar moustache and a sword that glows with a cold menace. These are the three heroes who are going to shape the future of the world. Outside the cave, the sea roars against the rocks, and within, a humble vellum book is produced from Adam's coat, and a quill to write with. And Ludovic Kreese says, I don't know how to write! So, today, we are going to be exploring this prophecy not by constructing it in writing, but by examining its impact through history. And the way we're doing that is by playing Microscope by Ben Robbins. And to explain a bit about that game, here is Ben Robbins. <laughs> Special oh, guest Oh God, I've forgotten how to do the Ben Robbins voice. <laughs> oh Ben, you, you never knew. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> microscope works different (laughs) that's it I'm getting that nice one Maggie (laughs) (laughs) who was a little bit close to that microscope works differently than some other role playing games you might have played so let's abandon some preconceptions you won't have your own character you won't play the game in What's happening? God, my voice has gone so weird. Scooby Doo became a PI. (laughs) Are you okay, Ben Robbins? (laughs) You okay, hun? (laughs) She walked into my office, legs up to her. (laughs) Everything about her said, right? (laughs) Legs up to a shaggy mane. You won't play the game in chronological order. You may know all about the future, but be surprised by the past. You'll be the story from inside out. You'll build the story from outside in. You'll decide the big picture, the grand scheme of history, and then burrow down and carve out the details. It's fractal gaming. So think big. You have a massive chunk of history to play around in. I hope you like exploring histories. Because you're in one. So that that went a little bit off piece, even by these standards. But I'm going to keep it because it's really hard on the vocal cords. I'm going to need them later. (laughs) So the way that Microscope plays out is that it breaks history into three levels. The widest level is a period. This is years to centuries. And within any period there are events an event is a single thing that happened during that period 
And then an event can be broken down into scenes. And scenes are where we get into character as whoever was there at that moment. And we play out what happened in that moment with the goal of answering a specific question. The game proceeds in turns. Each player takes a turn to be the lens. And during the time they are the lens, they choose the current focus of the game. Then everyone creates events or scenes that explore that focus. And we go around the three players and then at the end, the current lens gets to add one more event or scene. And after that, the lens changes to the next player and we go around again. We don't play the game in historical order. You can add a new event or a new scene at any point in history. The only rule is you can't change the future. So if you've already established what happened in a scene in a late period, you can't do something in an earlier period to change that later event. That has happened. And in our context, that also goes for things that happen during the game. So what I'm going to suggest is that this will be easiest to explain through play. So I'm going to start out as Lens as a way of illustrating what we're doing. And so while Percy and Adam sit in a cave trying to shape this prophecy that will change the future, we're going to look at the outcomes of that prophecy as it does change the future. The first focus will be how was the prophecy's importance recognised? So all the moments we play in this next round will be about how it's recognised, how different characters at different points of time or understand that this prophecy is the real deal and that it's got something important to say about the world. And so with that focus, each player takes a turn creating either a period, an event or a scene. We have our periods predefined because we know roughly what happened. So we're actually mostly going to be focusing on events and scenes in this. I'm interested in adding an event and a scene, I think probably either during the plague or its immediate aftermath, where the C codex has got into someone's hands and they're recognising it for a real prophecy. And have we defined what the C codex is is it definitely a book it is a book yes oh, yeah. so yeah it's like someone has got the c codex and how it got from the cave to where this person is that's probably part of what will come up in this scene uh or in this first event and scene and so i think maybe the event here would be something around like investigating the battle scene where the Diabolist fell. I think that's the kind of place this might have got to. This would be in probably the Broken Realm era. The plague has ended, but the kingdom's fallen apart. Most of the kind of leaders of the world died in the plague and the kingdoms fell apart. And for a time, there really wasn't much leadership at all. It was mostly small communities getting by as best they could. Because I'm Lens, I get to create two things. And I'm going to create a scene. The question is, who first recognised the C Codex as prophecy? Do you think this is like some treasure hunters or something? Or some like surviving, some priests or church knights like a someone trying to put together what happened or someone looking for sweet loot. Yeah, if you've got, like, um, a civilization that's broken apart, it depends on what the aftermath of that looks like a little bit, doesn't it? It might be a sort of Mad Max style, but, like, with cool-looking carts <laughs> instead of uh, <laughs> futuristic road warrior things. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, like, you know... So, Stylistically, sort of classic, classically, orky-looking, um, like 
horse and cart, <laughs> made with big dogs instead of horses and like heads on spikes. And <laughs> traditionally, what happens when civilization breaks down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a Mad Max style <laughs> dog cart, which is which is a lovely contrast because in this long journey across the realm. They were riding on penny farthings and having afternoon tea on the village green. <laughs> so <laughs> things have gone south pretty fast. <laughs> no one's wearing top hats now. <laughs> or if they are, they're really ragged top hats. <laughs> like yeah, well, I mean, there might be a sort of a fantasy. I don't know what's what comes before steampunk, fantasy <laughs> punk, <laughs> penny farthing sort of thing. <laughs> iron, iron punk. <laughs> iron punk, yeah. You might still have a penny farthing knocking around. Is uh, yeah. Well, we in. haven't seen them in the present, so I think that technology was just lost, or maybe just everyone was like, maybe the roads just haven't been good enough since. Yeah, like the roads fell into disrepair. You can't go down like a rough track with a penny farthing. You need like a a mountain penny farthing, and they still have been invented now in the twenty first century. So I don't fancy their chances. Maybe it it just used livestock instead of wheels. They had like a horse at the front and a dog at the back. <laughs> it was like a a plank glued between the two that you kind of rode on like a surfboard. Yeah, just like two two pack saddles. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so we have Mad Max style dog carts. So these are kind of road warrior treasure hunters. Yeah, I think sort of scouring um, scouring for resources. Yeah, okay. I mean, if this was the place that the Diabolist fell, there, and you are a warlike tribe that uh, subsists by just wrecking other people, then uh, there's got to be something in there that's worth... Uh... Yeah, I think that's a pretty good starting point. Apocalypse Mutant Nickname Generator. <laughs> <laughs> I've got quite a lot of good names here. I'm going to drop some in chat. You just need to medievalize them. <laughs> So I, I think we can find something from there. We have a scene with Mad Max style dog carts searching the old battlefield. Do we have any character ideas for what kind of person we want to play? I I seem like... Pete, have you ever considered being a post-apocalyptic warlord? I feel like that plays to your strengths. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I like the name Smokey. Why is Tinder one of them? <laughs> <laughs> Look, <laughs> there's a lot of post-apocalyptic name, apocalyptic names also happen to mostly be dating apps, hence also Freak Show. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like reading them as if they're first name, surname, so Tindle Twinkle. Tinder Twinkle. <laughs> Mopes Night Owl. Wings Feathers. <laughs> Wings Feathers is an amazing name. <laughs> Wink Zero is a good name. Yeah. Yeah. Smoky Mime. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm Smoky Mime. <laughs> Smoky Mime actually is like a usually a prospector, but has diversified into uh treasure hunting. Who are you playing, Quinn? Who are you, Smoky Spectre? I'm Smoky Mime. <laughs> Smoky Mime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be Wink Zero. <laughs> nice. Uh, what kind of person is Wink Zero? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, Wink Zero sounds like some kind of pilot to me, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like the wagon driver. Yeah, he's a wagon driver. It's nothing grand, just a... They're all like the mechanic. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, wagon, Wink Zero, wagon driver. Actually, no, I'm, I'm going to make him... That's, um, I'm going to make him, you know, one of those dudes that walks around with, like, divining rods. A sort of seeker type. Oh, yes, like a dowser. A dowser. Yeah, a dowser, that's it. He's going to be the, a dowser. Seems we're looking for stuff. Awesome. Who are you playing, Pete? I'll be... <laughs> Nightmare Nemo. <laughs> piggy wings. I mean, piggy wings is tempting. <laughs> or Riddle Naughty. <laughs> <laughs> Riddle Naughty. Warmaster Riddle Naughty. 
<laughs> uh, that's it. That's got to be it. Okay, great. So we're, we've got our wagons pulled up at the side of this battlefield. We've got some guards on the wagon, posted on the wagons, and like just on, in case some like heads on stakes, I feel, just round them, just so people know that this is currently our corner. And then this scorched edge of this wood, I guess, it's like regrown because this was years ago now, but there's still like skeletons and bits of old armour around. And yeah, I think Smoky <laughs> Smoky Mime is there like going along. He's got like a, a little walking stick, but on the end of the walking stick is a small carved brass hand that he's using to like flip things over so he doesn't have to touch them. This is is poking things that might be dangerous stick and so he's kind of there like poking around through bits and bobs and then occasionally he'll pick up some piece of metalwork and drag it over to a pile we're making in the middle Um, what's Wink Zero doing? (laughs) Wink Zero he's just standing (laughs) on that plank between the horse and the dog with (laughs) with his dowsing rods like trying to get a, a, a trace, a bit like um, and searches around with his dowsing rods as they come together. Uh, just sort of swings one of them around and shouts "ping" like a radar submarine in the general direction. <laughs> Onward, <laughs> this way, boys. <laughs> okay, what what's Riddle Naughty up to? Uh, I feel like there's be some sort of maybe trailer behind the the. The dog and the cart that we'd put all our stuff in, yeah? Yeah, yeah, like the gathering wagon. I think he'd be sitting on that. Like, Is there a throne? Like, and then, like, yeah. on, in front it's of really it... Like un, the... Really unfeasibly high. <laughs> it's just been stacked really yeah. heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's really, like, rickety, uh, like, old chair. Yeah. It's basically a high chair. It's like wicker scaffolding with a, with a seat on top. <laughs> with, like, a picnic bench on the top of it. Amazing. <laughs> like an adult high chair and he has, he has to get he has to get put, helped in and out of it <laughs> uh, yeah and he's got like a kind of bladder like a jester and like a jester's hat all kind of tattered and battered yeah like like done in kind of massively sewn leather like crudely cr- crudely yeah. stitched leather and kind of tatty and old yeah that's very very good yeah Smokey is wearing like a felt brimmed hat that's like floppy, old and dusty and greyish dungarees. So, reveal thoughts. Each player states what their character's thinking about the upcoming scene. So as we begin this search, what's Riddle Naughty thinking? What's the Warmaster thinking? He wants to... He's very concerned about another warlord and he needs to... He needs to like one-up them. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I need like I need this to work out. I need to get like we've got the drop on this other guy by getting here first. So yeah, it's better work out. <laughs> What's Wink Zero thinking? This is definitely going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> the rods don't lie. Rods don't lie. It's better work out. <laughs> Smoky mime is like. This ain't as safe as panning for gold in a stream. But I guess if Wig Zero thinks it'll work out, there must be something good here. Well, yeah, of course there is. Like, just up this way. <laughs> Finally, we just play what our character does and thinks and shape the world by describing what they do. Everyone should be trying to answer the question, which is, who first recognised the C Codex as a prophecy? So... Smokey's dragging over this skeleton of an armoured knight when he sees his wink pinging off in a different direction and like just drops this carved skeleton in rusty armour and goes running off after. What you found here? What you got? I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, Smokey, but I tell you what, these rods are pulling hard. I'd, I'd say this is at least a, an 8.9 on the wink scale. <laughs> the wink scale don't lie the wink scale don't lie no we, we hardly ever get 8.9 zeros 
<laughs> I hardly ever heard it go higher than 7.86. Oh, well, yeah, precisely. Uh, well, <laughs> this is going to be, I don't know, I can't even imagine. Maybe a, a sword that's even bigger than a regular sized sword? It's got to be something like that, at least. What are you two withering about? <laughs> Get moving! Oh, you love his boss. It's, it's just over here, look. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I could barely contain them, says Winksy, as he's throwing the, <laughs> throwing the sticks in front Unwed. of him. Unwed. <laughs> yeah, I like to imagine that this two animal penny farthing is extremely slow. It's <laughs> just like waddling <laughs> along. Neither the horse nor the dog cares at all for speed. <laughs> and also they're dragging this massive wagon with a throne on it. The offering wagon of the war master. Um, I, I, I kind of like the idea. I guess this is, like, given the enlightened society of the past, maybe this, like, the chair on top of this, if this whole contraption can revolve, so that, like, <laughs> so that Riddle can kind of, like, rotate Get to really face dizzy. where he's going or look the other way. It's like an office chair strapped to all this stuff. Maybe he's got a harpoon on it, so that like when we spot it, he can harpoon things from his rotating turret. <laughs> oh, that's that's amazing, yeah. And so, yeah, I think I think maybe there's like a pile of bodies, and Smokey's like poking at these carved skeletons. You sure it's one of these? Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, look from from up here, you can kind of see how they're laid out. Well, that's just not, not just any pile of bodies. Like, that's in their day, that was stacked, I don't know, five times as high as just uh, any of the regular foliage around here. And then, like, look, look even more closely. There's another ring of it around that, and then another one beyond that. Things don't get laid out like that for no reason. You're right. I mean, uh, it's the sticks. The, the sticks are drawing me towards that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that does make sense, because they were probably doing a human pyramid or something. That would explain the configuration. Yeah, or they were fighting in concentric rings to defend whatever that was in the middle. But, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> going to be something there. I mean, they wouldn't have held by here to the last, uh, if not. And he's, like, flipping through. And I think, yeah, un under this, he finds, like, what do you think? It, like a chest, maybe? Or a an old sack or something? I think it would need to be something more peculiar than that because you know yeah. if it was just a big sack or a chest then that would get looted at the end of it i think yeah, probably at the bottom of these sort of circles then what these guys will find is um maybe is a small sack bundle but it's it's within a rib cage oh wow yeah and everything is rotted away so it's it's not particularly clear as to how this like large, large sack, which pretty much fills up the whole li rib, rib, rib cage, and what the story would have been behind how that managed to sort of <laughs> get in there and be missed. But, but that's where it is. And yeah, okay. And I think that's probably what we find. Yeah, and so uh, Smokey's like pokes at it, and he's like, "Smells a bit funny, but I think there's something strange here." You smell a bit funny, Smokey. Oh, it's also true. Yeah. It's on account of all the tobacco I've been chewing. And he, like, kind of carries the rib cage and all. And he's like, oh, it, it's heavier than I thought. And he kind of drags it round to buy the wagon. And he's like, my lord, I have a fan for you, Warmaster. Yeah, what's that? Kind of the, the chair, like, rockets around. <laughs> <laughs> eh? What's that? What you got there? <laughs> I like the idea that you're basically like a pencil top decoration. <laughs> <laughs> a little gesture on the spring. Spins around like on the voice. <laughs> yeah, so I think Smokey's like climbs onto this, the flat bit at the back of the wagon and assumes the traditional kneeling position, holding the offering overhead so that the war master can take it. Got a rip bag for you, sir. A rip bag. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Got to sign up. Rummage get, get, get out. Stuck on something. Yeah. <laughs> what is this trash you brought me? <laughs> it's, it's an 
Six, I think, sir. 8.6 on the scale. 8.9. 8.9, 8.9. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 8.9, you see. Yeah. Although, what does it look like? Out of what? <laughs> out, out, out of all of the things it could possibly look like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really understand the question, to be honest with us. <laughs> it's like, any, any, are you asking about the 8.9, sir? Oh, I see, I see. Because if so, like any scale, that's out of 14. I think the chair just slowly revolves in Wink's direction. <laughs> Warmaster peers at him. Oh, no. Over this rib cage on his lap. Yeah. <laughs> now I've done it. Waggles the bladder at him. You'll wink your last if you keep defying <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm sorry no, I, I'm just not very good at interpreting <laughs> instructions fools surrounded by nincompoops <laughs> <laughs> you certainly are sir never a true word spoken uh, yeah o Olo is, is we yeah. lick spittles <laughs> open this bag <laughs> Yeah, um, oh, right, right you are, boss. Right you are. Uh, get out a little knife and uh, sort of tear away the uh, casing of the sack and sort of see very briefly inside that it's a book um, and sort of close it up and go, uh, yeah, you are, Smokey. He's going to want that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. This is... Uh... And I'm already gone before you can hand it back. <laughs> he is not going to be impressed that it's a book. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the greatest treasure of all um wink where are you going wink this is well was, oh sorry not, it's, it's pretty hard <laughs> to keep balance on these things they got a mind of their own being living creatures <laughs> uh got a book for you sir the greatest power of all is knowledge a book not just any book this is a book of prophecy. <laughs> Contains the true future, almost certainly. Smokey does not believe this at all. He's just <laughs> saying anything to save his ass. <laughs> you brought me out here for a book. I, I would like you to observe that Wink brought us out here. This is just one among many treasures. Consider also that I have found you more than seven rusty greaves and five very rusty breastplates. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and look right here, there's um, there's a sword just by here, and it, it, I, I would say, I, I, I don't want to state my life on it, but it's slightly bigger than a regular sword. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's quite a thing. But sir, consider the knowledge of the future that this book of prophecies contains. What greater power could there be over your rivals than knowing what they're going to do before they do it? What does it say, boss? Uh, Smokey opens it upside down and goes, It says, by gosh, it says, The greatest war master of all will be real naughty. What? <laughs> he shall unite them all. That's what it says. I'm not a big reading man, but... I'm confident that it's along those lines. Surely you wish to read it, sir. <laughs> Does it say anything about piggy wings or or Aurora Tinder? <laughs> it says the greatest rivals. <laughs> it says the piggy wings will fail on the fourteenth day beneath the bright sun, and. It says that Aurora Tinder ain't nothing. Ain't nothing at all. Winky, Winky Zero. See, sir, it already knows about your power. When, when, is, when will this cloud cover clear? Like, when will we know? <laughs> uh, uh, ain't a weatherman. You you might have to talk to your dowser about the weather forecast. Wink. Um, uh, yes, yes, boss. When, uh, when will my rivals fall in, in this bright sun? Oh, uh, right. Was, what did the prophecy say again? Was it 14, 14th day? On the 14th day. Yeah, uh, prophecies, tricky things, you, you see. Prophecies. Um, 
what does it say before that? Like, is there a a point at which like the, it, it begins? Fourteenth day after what? It just says on the fourteenth day. Right. Well, Loki's going. That gives me thirteen days to escape. <laughs> <laughs> Get a long way away. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, prophecies, if this is a, a genuine bona fide prophecy, and you had an 8.9, I don't see why it wouldn't be, um, <laughs> then we were obviously meant to find this, and the 14th day must relate to the point at which we found it. So uh, I'd say two weeks or so, give or take. Yeah, yeah. it'll be that. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, be two weeks. Yeah, two weeks, two weeks, I dare yeah. say. Two weeks, definitely. That's a that's assuming that Smokey's interpreted it correctly. I mean, if he hasn't, oh, then... Oh, my interpretation... I mean, like I say, I'm not a big man for reading, but I dare say... But it is on his head if it doesn't happen on the 14th day. I just want to make that clear, because it's his interpretation. <laughs> I dare say that the, War Master is the, that the War Master is the true reader here. He's a gentleman of literature and erudition. And I can't claim to either of those. Yes, I'm very sophisticated. Well, that's that's true, sir. You know, people pay a lot for for prophecies, don't they? I mean, maybe you should take this under your under your belt and um, see what could be read into it. That's why they call them prophets. Yeah, prophets. <laughs> I will spare your lives today. Oh, thank you, sir. I am no more than a lickspittle and an incompoot. Grateful. <laughs> I think that's our scene. I think we have answered who who uh, first recognised it as a prophecy. Kind of, Spore <laughs> tried to save his own ass by save telling someone else it was a prophecy. <laughs> but sometimes that's how prophecies work. Technically, riggle, riddle naughty. <laughs> Technically, because Smoky Mime was lying. <laughs> I always assumed it was the letter C codex. Uh, I think it's the C codex because it came from a C cave. Yeah. But it could be the capital C codex. It's just the codex. Yeah. <laughs> the C is massive. I think one detail of the codex is that it has, on the spine, it just has an eagle and an ankh on it, like inscribed very neatly. Okay, so. Who's next? Pete, do you want to create an event or a scene or, I guess, a period, but probably an event or a scene? Yeah. You can go earlier or later. You can use, we can reuse these characters and see their careers subsequently, or we can look at how the book got to be in a rib cage. Yeah, I'm sort of interested in that. Like, it kind of has echoes of, like, a sort of saint's relics or something like that to me so i'm sort of interested in that really yeah and why like yeah i don't know like why someone would do that so i think this would be this could be as a scene around the rise of the diabolist yeah so the question becomes how did the book get into a rib cage <laughs> and do you think this scene is before the battle or during it I mean... I think it's probably in the preparation, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, cool. So we're probably knights here. Allow me to suggest some knight names. Tiny <laughs> Geraldine the Mighty. <laughs> oh, wow. What a name. Tibby the Strong. Gorgeous Wanda the Whisper. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I read that wrong. It should be Strong Isabel the Gorgeous, is it? Or I don't know. I, I think it's like Isabel the Gorgeous, Wanda the Whisper, or whatever. Oh, I, I think see. they've all got that in the <laughs> middle. <laughs> <Not strong. laughs> but, but you know, Gentlewoman Bibby the Resilient is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny Gerald in the Mighty is great. Be <laughs> the mild. <laughs> most generic of all knights <laughs> he has no strong opinions yeah the <laughs> foe uh, oh should I should I be suggesting things or if this is a scene then we all get to pick a character if we want to have one in there and then you get to describe where and when it is okay we know that the final confrontation was beside a small forest just on the 
not far from the west coast, not actually very far from where this sea cave was. You know, I'm just sort of, I'm imagining kind of knights sort of preparing for battle and, and preparing to take this relic into battle, but yeah, at like a kind of fortress monastery or something. Okay, cool. So we've got a fortress monastery. Perhaps perhaps they don't all think that's a good idea. Like maybe they, we shouldn't take this relic into battle. Some of them think, well, the only way we'll win is if we do take it. Yeah, cool. So I've got I've got the idea that the fortress monastery is like maybe on a crag above the sea. Yeah. Like I quite the, like this idea of this big fortification and the waves thundering below like a wild stormy sky. Classic fantasy art vibes. Yep. And so, yes, I think my knight is called Evangeline the Sentinel, because if we're going knights, then she's going to have a very good name. I'm going to be Patriot Emlyn. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Tiffany the Pale. Tiffany the Pale? Tiffany the Pale. Could be Tiffany the Pale. There's a classic problem in historical writing that Tiffany is a classic medieval name, but a modern reader just assumes it's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm bringing uh, it back. Should, should that be Emlyn the Gentlewoman? Emlyn's a guy's name. That's a Welsh man, man's name. I know people call it Yeah. That, I'll be Patriot Emlyn. Patriot Emlyn. Oh, I could bring, bring back out my... Uh... <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> my... oh, yeah. <laughs> my favourite... <laughs> Favourite Valley's accent. <laughs> okay, so the question is, how did the book get into a ribcage? And I guess we're t- discussing this relic. So is this around, like, the tactics table or whatever? There's a, ba- a map laid out with a mark showing where the army of demons has been par- has been sighted. Yeah, sure. Like, we, we have a scriptorium in the monastery, so uh, maybe the sea codex was in there. Yeah, that's a cool idea. So we have this map table. We have this saint's relic, and the saint's relic is. Do you think it's a body? Is it? Is it the body of Saint Ludovic Crease? Whoa! I mean, it could be. It. Yeah, I mean, like I don't want to go full Last Kingdom, but yeah, like it could be a body. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> Ludovic Crease, who died a second time. Where they got so tired of him that they jammed the books so far up his ass it went into his ribcage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I I like the idea of uh, that this is the body of St. Ludovic, who was a hermit and holy man, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> Which is like quite a late career pivot. <laughs> in fact he's a holy man because he claimed to have been resurrected to have been born from the dead with a new purpose okay so we're around this table so starting from Gwyn what does what's Emlyn. Patriot Emlyn thinking well, I guess kind of because we haven't really established like, like the, the body in, in front of us is dead right yeah yeah it's like I think it's quite Almost like mummified. Maybe there's like some kind of casket or something or some kind of... Yeah, it's probably in a casket, yeah. Yeah, it's like breaking case of emergency written on the... <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think he's probably thinking um, the monastery that we're in is uh, quite a distinct defensive stronghold. Um, it exists to defend this... Uh, defend this relic but there's no way that um that we're getting a, you know getting it out or getting away with it so we've kind of got to make a stand and i think he's weighing up whether the diabolist appreciates the value of that relic or not and like <clears throat> if we were to leave it in the monastery then you could kind of derive that there's something important about it but if it's just another body on a battlefield then uh, maybe it'll it'll be overlooked right yeah evangeline the sentinel she's got incredibly polished armor and she's thinking we just need to get out there and get this done and get back it's not that big of a deal we've confronted a demon before how bad can it be yeah, I think Emlyn's not optimistic about our chances, so he's <laughs> yeah. 
he's making plans for how this can survive. Where she's like, ah! <laughs> she's like, what's the worst? She's much more World War One about it. <laughs> how bad can it be? Well, what's Tiffany the Pale? Uh, Tiffany the Pale uh, is thinking that it is over. Like that, the, maybe the Diabolist is the future, and that we need to join with him and forget about <laughs> this other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> great okay so we're we're in this room you can hear the wind like the wind is still kind of blowing through higher up so the tapestries high on the wall are moving a little in the wind and the lanterns flicker slightly evangeline is saying don't know if we need to bring the saint's body i think i think we can manage this without well you see <laughs> best day ever I I don't think that's a very good idea, you see, Evangeline. I, I heard a tale once said that all of the knowledge, all of the five corners of the world, was consumed within this body. That's not something that you want the Diabolist to get hold of now, is it? Is the Diabolist such a threat? We've confronted demons before, admittedly, not as many demons, not altogether. Have you seen the power that the Diabolist can wield? Yeah, I, I, I'm with Tiff. Yeah. I've, I've read a lot of field reports. I have read a lot of field reports. And, and what, what was your conclusion? I mean, not, not insignificant. A genuine threat, something to be taken seriously, but dispensed with nonetheless. There'll be no great challenge for an order such as ours. The, the Knights of the Crete's I've never backed from a challenge. Well, personally, I can't see any relief coming. I think what we've got here is what we've got. If we cast our eyes over to the inferno that's heading our way, frankly, I, I think we need to make the make our peace, make the best of a bad situation. I suppose you're right. If we do the right thing now, if we dig deep and follow our morals, then it may be that we can pave the way for other orders further down the track. Further west, once he's come through here, perhaps some of our brethren can put up a defence. But I, I honestly think the choice that is before us is how, how best to go out. And I would rather do that defending the one thing that I've been put here to defend. I see your point. I see your point. And we have faced struggle before, side by side, and we have overcome it. What do you think, Tiffany? Brothers, sisters, all of you, this need not be the end. Think what could be gained. Exactly. When we win, we will gain the world. We will be renowned through the ages. None will forget Tiffany the Pale or Patriot Emily. Even, perhaps, and she like brushes her hair back behind her ear, Evangeline the Sentinel will find a place in history. A noted place, well remembered. So what exactly is your plan then, Tiff? I mean, you don't look very demon-y. You want to... Are you going to parlay with it? There's, we don't have to... Yeah. We, we don't have to die like this. We could... We could... Well, what's the option then? How, how are we going to do this exactly? Let's Let's... Follow your route for a second. Well, we just march down and say, you know what? We're all about we're all about you. Come on, off we go. Yeah, we could we could join with the Diablo. Tiffany. This is beyond the pale. Can remember our precepts. And she like draws out a scroll that's like in a little scroll case in her arm greave. And, like flips out and takes out a scroll and goes What does this say? Thou shalt not consort with demons. It's right there on the list. It is there on the list. Yeah, she's, she's right. It's there on the you list. You wouldn't take a list like this yeah. and immediately consort with demons. That would be unthinkable. She's got you there, Wayne. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Tiffany pulls out a, her scroll from her grieve and it unrolls and it's just a chaos star. <laughs> 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 she like, throws it across the table. 
<laughs> says, fight, I'll show you. I'll show you all the power of your relic and what it can do against the power of the Diabolist. And she like reaches forward to like pick up the body. <laughs> yeah, I think Evangeline just tackles her. <laughs> oh, we had... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just this kind of like punch up here. And I think maybe in the end, what if like Tiffany's penance is to carry the relic and no weapon when they take the field? <laughs> I think maybe they spend so long arguing about it that the Diabolist turns up. And like these concentric circles is is literally where they were fortified against walls. Is he just literally like <laughs> raises <laughs> it to the ground? Away. Yeah, well, I mean, what the fight was on the edge of this wood, but it could be like just literally in front okay, of the monastery. Like, yeah. I I think they just like they march out, but basically, yeah, I, I think maybe Tiffany is kind of chained to the relic. It's like, oh wow, it's like this is this is the monastic penance to learn a valuable lesson about the power right over the power of the demon army. A valuable lesson which it turns out is incorrect. So I think I think we, that answers the question anyway. So that's pretty good. So yeah, so was the so the book was kept with the body. Yeah. And then when like the battle during the battle like that, that kind of I I think that which we probably didn't answer. Um, I was getting the impression that the the book had been sort of sewn into the body, like prior to to it being mummified. Yeah, um, kind of because people were once aware of what the prophecy said, and that would have hinted at knowledge that these five dragons existed. Um, yeah. And there's there must be a reason why the Diabolist didn't do the same thing that Banbury is doing, like right now, uh, and that is because. The prophecy was stashed away, and he never really found out that uh, that they yeah. existed. Yeah, and that that was like in Saint Crease's final will. Basically, the book shall be bound within my body until the time is ready. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, because when this happened, Percy would have known from church history that this was going to be a terrible defeat. So he's like, "I ah, better keep it safe from the terrible defeat somehow." Okay, so Percy, do you want to add an event, a scene? Mm. We're looking at how the prophecy's importance is recognised, so there could be something later. Yeah, I think it's probably something later, isn't it? Which probably means a new event rather than a scene. I think it is going to be way, way later, like yep. almost up to modern age, uh, okay, almost yeah. up to the timeline that we're in now. And I don't want to say that the the prophecy has been like the the codex has been looked after by um by this cult for yeah um for a long old time um and the cult has come into being um like having sort of read through the prophecies in order to um defend the last of these two dragons right. yeah um and that that's kind of why they've been set up but there is a very sort of up to date event where which is probably the same point at which um Tristan begins to sort of tap into his sort of song power. Um was that at Malahim? Yeah, so quite early on, but quite recently. So this is kind of definitely in the rise of the ice period. Yeah. So I'm And so what what happens at that point? What's the thing you're looking at there? I'm at that point I'm thinking that a part of the prophecy begins to um begins to enact you know um, yeah as in um so tying into probably either sort of tristan um discovering the the old ways that were lost when these dragons were created when the old earth singers yeah. like went into the ground um because that has come back into the world then this cult that has been sort of dedicated to their sort of protection and worship start to be able to sort of tap into the powers of the dragons itself um they they don't sort of wake or anything like that but they sort of stir enough um that uh that stuff starts happening around them and so they start noticing effects going on yeah okay so it's kind of like the dragons become accessible to to the cult in a new yeah. way okay i think that's quite fun 
that uh, yeah, basically that um, interaction with the harmonies of the world, then uh, that to a lesser extent becomes sort of accessible to the cult a little bit. Yeah, I I think so. Or they or they recognise that the they recognise that the harmonies are being played, um, and so and they can hear the dragons sort of li- listening to them. Yeah, and it's time to for them to roll into their into their end game. Yeah, yeah, perhaps that's it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so they they can't manipulate the harmonies themselves, but they recognise that the dragons can hear that somebody is manipulating harmony in a way that hasn't happened for an awful yeah. long time, and that's causing them to I don't know snore or something. Yeah, sure. Um, that that's pretty fun. So that's a very late event. I get to add something new. I'm going to add an event. Did we have a name for the sect? Something dragony. Yeah, Drag I'm queens. <laughs> <laughs> the drag racers. <laughs> you want cool or stupid, Ben? I'm happy either way. I quite like the Dragon Guard as a kind of extreme cheesy fantasy like Yeah. Stupid name. We could call it that for now. The formal foundation of the Dragon Guard. So that's an event that happened. And that's the end of my time as Lens. <laughs> coat and has several guns several being one has a gun <laughs> do you love how like the the juxtaposition between us like all working really hard on like this story and then making completely ridiculous characters <laughs> and having a scene that like barely barely reaches <laughs> yeah. the story can i Tell a potentially highbrow anecdote. I was working on Richard II, and there's a line that John of Gaunt says in that, which got a laugh every night, which was, uh, was it? This England that was wont to conquer others has made a shameful conquest of itself. <laughs> and everyone was like, hey! <laughs> if anyone gets it, <laughs> this guy, this John of yeah, Gaunt guy this gets guy, it. This guy, yeah. <laughs>